this is why I'm here on this earth is, is to help others. How's it hanging? Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast, presented by HippoDirect. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur or innovator every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, digital marketing due to HippoDirect, and you can reach me at max at hippodirect.com for help using your podcast as a marketing tool. This is episode number 71, and today we have something very fitting for you, considering this is released right after Giving Tuesday. Today's guest is Chris Strubb, and he is the Giving Day guy. He is the first person in the entire world to live stream and Snapchat in all 50 states. He did this all in 100 days, and he did it all for good. He's a master at partnering with nonprofits and charity organizations across the globe, and he has made a name for himself as one of the top nonprofit marketers. It's time to rub-a-dub with Strubb. Enjoy the show. All righty. We are here with Chris Strubb, the giving day guy and the man who has live streamed and Snapchatted in more states than, well, everyone. How you doing, Chris? <laughs> Good morning, Max. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I, I don't know how you, you know, did all that live streaming and Snapchatting and, you know, lived it to see another day and not be too exhausted after it. But I'm just, I'm very thankful you're here with us today. <laughs> I, uh, I don't quite know how I did it either, but here we are. We made it. So it's all gravy from here on out, I guess, huh? <laughs> it is. And who, who doesn't love gravy? So we're going to get into a lot of what you do in the live streaming and the nonprofit space, which is extremely cool. But before we get into that, I want to hear what the hell were you doing before you started live streaming and before you got into this nonprofit space? Yeah, great question. And first off, thanks for having me on. Um, so I, I started out in the journalism industry. So in high school, I wanted to be Rick Riley, basically. I wanted to write the back uh, page column for Sports Illustrated. I know we're both big uh, sports fans, football fans. Yes, read me like a book. Uh, go Cowboys, by the way. Got to get that in early. Right? Hey, I, so, my dad is actually a huge Cowboys fan. So we got, there you go. we got to get him on too. <laughs> Bring it on. So um, I started out in the journalism industry. I worked at a, a local newspaper in upstate New York called the Press and Sun Bulletin in Binghamton, where I went to college. Go Bearcats. Um, and <laughs> it was, yeah, worst basketball team in America. So, uh, you know, I was there. I uh, started in 06. And 07, 08, 09, that was really like the onset of the, the social media sort of birth right? Social media, of course, was, was around before then, but really, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and then really Instagram, and eventually Snapchat um, sort of came to life during those few years. And um, I was kind of just thrown right into the fire, you know, at, at a local newspaper, you know, where, you know, some of the conversations were literally like, hey, Chris, like, can you, you know, post this to our Facebook page? Can you update our website? Can you, uh, what should our Twitter strategy be? And eventually, you know, I realized that there was a lot more power to this social media thing than just something that we had to do as an organization. So I took a job as a social media director at an advertising agency in Binghamton. Um, so I worked with a whole lot of different uh, clients around the city of Binghamton and that Southern New York region, Southern tier region, I should say. Mm -hmm. And shout out, shout out the beer. 
oh yeah, shout out to Southern Tier, it's good stuff. And so I, I decided then, Max, that I was going to, uh, to quit my job and take a 48-state road trip in the summer of 2014 and basically wanted to become Casey Neistat. I saw all of these social media influencers, you know, making all this money and, you know, gathering all the glory. And I said, I'm going to go do that. And so I did. Um, I bought a GoPro and a selfie stick and I traveled around to 48 states in 90 days. Um, that brought me to Greenville, South Carolina, where I'm speaking to you from this morning. But really, that journey, Max, really didn't provide me much emotional satisfaction. And that ultimately was what led to doing 50 states in 100 days in the summer of 2015, um, where, of course, I worked with a different youth-related nonprofit organization in all 50 states, became the first person to live stream and Snapchat in all 50 states. It's, it's been kind of craziness <laughs> ever since. <laughs> well, it's probably craziness then as well. Uh, and you're going to have to walk us through that a little bit as we go on, because when you say 48 states, 90 days, when you say 50 states, 100 days, I mean, I'm imagining, you know, like the, the, the gif of Forrest Gump just running and running and running and never stopping. <laughs> so, there, was, there was plenty of running. So um, I am actually a, uh, I like running half marathons. Um, so running was actually a big part of, uh, both of those trips. Um, I ran, I think three half marathons in the first trip and then two with, there was supposed to be a third in the second one, but really it was, it was done actually in a car, a 2007 Honda Accord, um, which I still have. Um, I called it the Honda hotel because during that second trip, I <laughs> actually slept in the back seat of the car 14 times during the trip. Oh, wow. Which, uh, is not great when, um, when you're six one <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you're sleeping in the backseat of an accord. But you know, the, this has really become sort of who I am. It's become my identity is, you know, 50 States, hundred days. It's become, you know, the Honda hotel. Um, but more importantly, of course, over the last few years, especially it's become this, this emphasis to really try and help nonprofits use social media to share their own stories. Right. I, I talk about the end of, uh, at, at the end of 50 States, 100 days, the film, I talk about how, it's not my journey anymore. It's, it's the people's journey. It's the listener's journey. It's the viewer's journey. And, uh, you know, to a lot of the people that may be listening to this podcast or, you know, reading my book or watching the film, 50 States, 100 Days, it's not just something that I did anymore. It's really a representation of this idea that, uh, you know, number one, you can do what you want to do in life if, if you set these big goals. And two, that there are a lot of really wonderful people out there uh, across America uh, doing really wonderful work every day. And it's, it's, you know, the journey itself is a very refreshing reminder uh, that America is really the, the greatest country in America, in the world. <laughs> I was going to say, it's definitely it, it the is. greatest country in America. Yeah. 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 Ooh. yeah. So we'll, we'll check with the, uh, the stats bureau there, but uh, <laughs> so, you know, it is, it's so cool what you've done and you have such a powerful mission behind it and you're literally doing good, like good for America, good for the world. Uh, and every stop of the way. So it's so cool what you're doing. Just to kind of get to the, the origin of that, how did you decide in the first place that you wanted to make this, you know, revolve your journey around nonprofits and be in that non nonprofit space? Yeah. So um, I mentioned Binghamton University. So my RA in college, his name was Lee Karshauer. He is also out, now the, uh, yeah, my boy Lee, he's also the commissioner of my fantasy football league. So I was texting him. There we, that's probably what I know him as. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Lee founded an organization back in 2011 called Payaway the Layaway. And if your listeners aren't familiar with Layaway, it's 
basically when you um, go into a big box store like Target, Walmart, Toys R Us, and uh, you know you tell the, the 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 store that you're going to eventually pay for uh, these items, you know, on layaway, um, and oftentimes uh, around the country, especially around uh, the holidays. Families that are purchasing uh, gifts for their families on layaway are not able ultimately to pay off these layaway plans. And that can be extremely stressful around the holidays. Um, sometimes it can lead to you know, kids, grandkids not getting presents. Um, mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to volunteer with Pay Away the Layaway in December 2014 um, here um, just north of Greenville in South Carolina. And um, it was uh, an experience, Max, that changed my life. Um, I had a chance basically to go in and represent the donors. So you can make a donation to payawaythelayaway.org if, if you want to be a part of this and pay off layaway plans for families that were uh, needing to cancel their uh, Christmas gifts for their kids and their grandkids. And that moment to me, you know, giving a hug to a grandmother at this Walmart in South Carolina, that December morning um, changed my life. It was a feeling that I had never felt before. And I knew from that moment forward that uh, I needed to focus on the nonprofit space. I needed to try and focus my life and my existence here on earth towards helping people that were less fortunate. You know, I, I can't imagine my family having a Christmas, um, you know, with that sort of struggle. And for me, uh, supporting Payway the Layway over the years has it's really provided that emotional satisfaction in ways to know that you're, you're making this country, uh, again, a better place. So, you know, I, I took that idea, Max, and realized that, you know, I love to drive. I love to, to travel and explore. Um, I loved using social media, you know, Snapchat, live streaming. And then I knew that I wanted to involve this nonprofit element, you know, so I decided to work with youth-related nonprofits. Um, threw that all into the uh, the kettle there, stirred it up a little bit, and we ended up with fifty states, hundred days. So uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, it's a lot of planning. I tell you that it's a lot of planning. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> you're telling me you just didn't wing the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, you know, we laugh, but I think actually the the planning was just as, if not more, difficult than the execution. Um, mm. You know, the executions, it, it, the, the travel itself got easier when you break it up and you say, okay, I'm not going on a 50-state road trip. I'm going on 51-state road trips. So no matter where you are, you know, it, it's not really that difficult. Even if you're in, uh, you know, Montana or North Dakota, it's not all that difficult to drive to the next state over. And so for me, that's kind of how I was able to, to, to break it down was like, okay, now I'm in Alabama and all I have to do is, is drive up to, uh, let's see, what was after Alabama? Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tennessee, right? Or um, Arkansas, right? right. So, We're doing a little geography lesson here as we go. Right, right. So to go from one state to the next really wasn't that difficult. What was challenging was selling this concept to the different nonprofits that I was visiting. So imagine you're running a nonprofit again, in South Dakota, and you've got a phone call from a guy in South Carolina saying, uh, hey, what are you doing on July 18th, you know, from 9 to 12? You know, I'm, I'm driving across the country. Can I come hang out with the kids in your program? That's, <laughs> that's a big ask, you know, but um, right. it, really, it really became a lot easier once people saw that I was serious about really trying to execute on a, on a vision like this. 
And I want to go back a sec because you were talking about kind of that moment where it all culminated in that hug and kind of it changed your life there. So now we'll just call that the most powerful hug of all time. But really was. What was it about that moment and I guess really the the events leading up to that moment that really struck you in were effective in actually changing your life because it's you know, it's hard, you know, we, we all have routines, we all have the things we're passionate about and interested in. It takes something really striking to actually change your mindset and change your outlook on life. You know, Max, I call my company, I am here because I really try and focus on being in the moment everywhere I go. I love traveling around the United States, around the world, speaking on stages and um, interacting with people. And, you know, when I do trainings with uh, nonprofits. I really try and avoid doing webinars and all that sort of stuff because I like being there in the room with people. And I think that to, to translate it back to what you're asking about that moment, you know, at that Walmart, to me, that's a product of showing up. I think that's a product of just being there in person and understanding and, and feeling that real life emotion. And, and really, I, there's, there's video of this moment happening too, where the sorrow, the sadness in this woman's eyes turning to pure ecstasy and, and joy and relief that uh, she wouldn't have to literally return the Christmas gifts um, that she was intending to get for her grandkids. I can describe that on a podcast and I've described this experience before, but unless you're actually out there, unless you can feel it unless you you know what it's like to be able to help someone without any sort of expectation in return it's immeasurable and it's incomparable and so you know for me I, I hope that if if you're listening to this podcast you know that you consider some of the volunteer experiences that are out there because you can you can have the same sort of emotion you know with any number of nonprofits within your community it doesn't have to be pay away the layaway but it's the sort of thing where you realize like, oh, this is why I'm here on this earth is, is to help others. And, you know, that's, that's really what kind of struck me in that moment, Max, was like a real kind of evaluation of what I was doing with my life. Who am I, right? I, I, I'm just some, some maniac that just drove around the country just to take pictures of myself and, and <laughs> uh, you know, go to baseball games and, and hang out at Hooters. Like it was yeah, it was fun, but it was meaningless. It was empty. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that, that moment, as you referenced, really represented that, that watershed change in my life to, to try and, and achieve something more with, with my life. And, and Max, not to belabor this point, but I used to, um, I used to have trouble sleeping at night. I used to uh, wake up in the middle of the night sweating and I used to have uh, bad dreams about dying. Uh, you know, sometimes I would even call my parents in the middle of the night and it's, and it's it was petrifying and it was, it was awful. And um, ever since I did 50 States, hundred days, I haven't had a single one of those dreams. I haven't ever felt wow. those emotions again. Um, I'm not on any kind of medication. I haven't gone to therapy. It's, it's, it's nothing deeper than just, a recognition of what your place in this world really is. And, um, you know, if we wrap up this podcast and, uh, you know, I get hit by a bus this afternoon, I'm going to, I'm going to walk off this earth knowing that I've 
helped people in some form or fashion. And there's really nothing, there's nothing you can, you can say that I think means more than that, you know, at, at the end of the day. Well, my only request is that you stay inside for the rest of the afternoon because we do not want that to happen, Chris. <laughs> but jokes aside, that's incredibly powerful. I really, really appreciate you sharing that. And you can just hear in your voice how powerful the moment and how meaningful it was for you to go out and ex experience these things and, and, and really change your outlook on life. So you can, I mean, it's just, it's apparent in your voice now, but it's apparent in all the work you do how meaningful this stuff is for you and how strongly you believe that you and, and really anybody has the ability just to go out and do good and, and be helpful. And so it's, it's just so wonderful that you've done it literally across every state <laughs> there is out there. And you've documented all of it to help both the organizations and the viewers and people who are interested in, in learning more about it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the... That's kind of the paradox sometimes with, um, you know, documenting and sharing experiences on social media, especially in the social good space. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of really wonderful work that prefer to do things behind the scenes. And, you know, to me, kind of trying to encourage people to, to share their experiences and to open up and, and be, to be social about what you're doing. And, and on the flip side, encouraging the nonprofits to, uh, make these experiences feel more social sometimes. I think it's it's just critically important to to bring more of this sort of positive energy into these uh, spaces on social media that especially, again, Max, I mean, um, I think now more than ever, we need to celebrate these nonprofits, celebrate their mission, celebrate the work um, that they're doing in our communities to uh, to make uh, where we live and, and uh, where we work, better places. And so for me, again, you know, 50 States, 100 Days is really just kind of a, uh, a snapshot of some of these humans around the U.S. whose, whose names, uh, you know, are, aren't going to crack into the mainstream, but, you know, they're representative of their own states and of their own organizations, uh, of the millions of people out there that are tirelessly trying to, to, to make the world a better place. There's just something so special about the nonprofit space. I mean, we love nonprofits. We work with a ton of nonprofits here at Hippo Direct. We, uh, you know, sometimes in tough times, we operate as a nonprofit, not by choice. I'm just messing with <laughs> But <laughs> Sure. So we're, you know, just being in the marketing space and working with a, a lot of nonprofits, we're always looking at ways of marketing for nonprofits, but also of marketing to nonprofits. But you're, you're really the expert at, the, at this. I'd love to hear from your side of things like, in all of that you've done to really partner with all these nonprofits. And again, I mean, you're talking about Humana and Salvation Army, like some of the top, you know, the biggest names out there. What tactics or methods have been most effective from, from your standpoint and your partner's standpoint as far as marketing for nonprofits? Because it's, you know, it's literally in the name, but it's, it's a tough space to be in. I think it's a tough space to be in because of these psychological disadvantages that we naturally build into just our thinking about nonprofits, right? Nonprofit, I, I credit this quote to, to Vu Lei, who's one of the best nonprofit speakers in America, but he tweeted back to me and he said, it's not his quote, it's from somebody else. But the quote was, nonprofit is a tax status, not a business model. And 
we, in the nonprofit space, sometimes think that we have to act like the, the shy, uh, you know, the shy guy standing in the corner while all of the, the bigger, you know, the Coca-Colas and the, the for-profit organizations, you know, breathe in all the air and, and gather all the attention in the social media space. And that's not the case. I think in many ways, the work that nonprofits do is much more important than, uh, you know, selling sodas or, uh, you know, sandals or whatever, whatever product you might be selling. So you're ruining all of our marketing plans. We're going to do a, a soda sandal combo pack right after this, but I guess <laughs> maybe not. There was goes that, that your, idea. That was your 1230 interview. Well, you cancel that, that one, Max. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to read it. I think this is my life-changing moment. I, I think that we have to think sometimes about how important our work is to the people that are consuming it. We get too caught up in the last decade on measuring success on social media through social media metrics, right? We, we all know, we've heard enough podcasts now to know that we, uh, uh, we need to create content that you know, people like and share and you know, they'll comment on and you know, send to their friends and blah, 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 blah. No. I don't think that's the way that we need to measure success on social media for nonprofits, right? If your nonprofit is tasked with, you know, ending, uh, or, you know, or abating the opioid epidemic in the state of Kentucky, your content on social media is not going to be, you know, rampantly shared um, by someone who is addicted to opioids and who is coming to your nonprofit to uh, solve that addiction, right? Or you're mm -hmm. a food bank in uh, Eastern Michigan, right? You know, your Liberty Family Outreach um, up in Warren, Michigan. The, the mission that you have to provide, you know, food and provide uh, services um, to people that need it, it is not a natural reaction for the person that you are serving to take that experience and share it forward on social media, right? Whereas, okay, we go to Disney World, we go to McDonald's and everything is built for you to take a picture of it and to share it on Twitter and blah, 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 blah. But when you're receiving social services, when you're, when you're the recipient of something that is changing your life, it is not designed to be shared on social media. So to me, mm. a huge part of my mission and a huge part of what I have shared with nonprofits around the country is to stop measuring your success on social media through the same sort of diagnostics that these, uh, you know, these B2C um, happy-go-lucky brands are using, right? And we have to look at you know, dollars raised. We have to look at the impact that we've had in the community and keep on going back to that and really, in some ways, kind of ignore if our content not, ignore isn't the right word, but kind of look beyond those traditional social right. media metrics. And, you know, if your Facebook live video where you're explaining exactly how someone can benefit from your services this month or whatever it might be, doesn't get a hundred comments on it, that doesn't mean that it hasn't had an impact on the people that are seeing it or that are listening. You know, so you have to really think creatively and really embrace when someone picks up the phone and calls you or sends you a direct message on Facebook or sends an email or even walks in the front door. Ask them, did you see, wh wh how did you learn about our services? Where did you see this? 
that answer may very well be something that you posted on Facebook or something that you shared on Instagram, even if they're not responding to it on those, on those social media channels. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It definitely should not be the same standard. And it's, it just makes a lot of sense for, for the space and just how much good comes out of it. And it's just, it's, it's, it's almost a little tacky to think of it from, if you look at like a social media, yeah, if you, if you look at it from that standpoint. So there's also a, it's kind of a interesting segue into a lot of stuff that you do do. And you are, you know, I, which must've been what, three, four years ago that you kind of rebranded as the giving day guy. Yeah. A couple of years. Um, you know, I did my first giving day in 2017. So yeah. Perfect. So, so the giving day guy, GDG, like maybe giving day guy comes out the tongue easier. Uh, <laughs> so you, you know, you, you've really made a name for yourself and your partners for really celebrating going all in on these giving days for these different nonprofits and live streaming, I know is a huge part of it. So can you walk us through how you ended up going down that route and really focusing yeah. on that area as opposed to, you know, continuing to go to, you know, 55 states and 60 st- No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, to touch on that last point quickly first, I mean, I am really, really open to doing more road trip marketing. Um, I would love to get back out, whether it's around the United States or even around, you know, Europe or Australia or some other, you know, continent. Ooh, um, yeah. I am, I'm totally open to that concept. So let's, let's not put that completely aside yet. Right. Of course. But, you know, I was introduced to the idea of a giving day through my work with Humana. Um, back in 2016, I had a meeting with the Community Foundation of Louisville, which runs one of the biggest giving days in the country. It's called Give for Good Louisville. And it's usually the second Thursday of September every year. And um, I had not heard of the concept of a giving day. Let me, let me spin this back to you, Max. Had, had you heard of a, a giving day? Do you, did you know what that was before you encountered me on social media? I've heard of it before, but I haven't heard of somebody associate themselves with it so closely yeah, yeah. as you have. So, so for me, again, there's, you know, if, if you're listening and you're not familiar, there's Giving Tuesday, which is the biggest one. It's always the first Tuesday right after Black Friday. So- maybe, maybe that's actually what I've heard of. Yeah, so Giving Tuesday is kind of the the biggest um, giving day of the year. There are dozens of individual giving days around the country, and then there's a whole bunch more around the world that take place simultaneously as part of Giving Tuesday. And the team at Giving Tuesday does uh, a wonderful job of really uh, marketing that element of it, um, you know, in the beginning of December, and uh, really trying to make it a year-round thing. But these individual giving days are going to be sort of a, a, a spin-off, if you will, of Giving Tuesday. And they take place in individual communities uh, around the U.S. And, and now moving around the world um, on a day that's not Giving Tuesday. So again, we, we referenced Give for Good Louisville, which is in September. Um, I worked with the Big Give uh, in San Antonio, which is in March, and then uh, Give STL Day, which is uh, traditionally the beginning of May, out of, of course, in St. Louis. And so these giving days are um, opportunities for nonprofits, um, usually, I would say, in the hundreds. You know, the bigger the giving day, the better. So, uh, you know, for a city like St. Louis, you're going to have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of nonprofits doing this simultaneously. And then the giving day itself is a, is a, a sum. It's a total of all of the donations that are made um, during that usually a 24-hour period. So midnight to midnight. Hundreds of organizations are concurrently running their own fundraising strategies that are tied together 
through this this thread. This this they're tied together with this little bow called Give STL Day, mm-hmm. and then um, you know a, a platform like GiveGab or Civicor is running the website that is totaling all of the donations that are coming in. So this year in St. Louis, they raised more than three million dollars in one day. Holy and cow! It, yeah, I mean it. It kind of jumps out at you, right? San Antonio is about four point yeah. seven million. Um, Louisville actually jumped to $6.88 million raised in one day for the nonprofits in these communities. So it's a big deal, Max. I mean, that's a lot of yeah, money. That's, that's massive. You know, and, and so for me, seeing and hearing numbers like that, you know, and considering the, the representation of all the nonprofits simultaneously, to me, I look at a giving day in a community as its own Super Bowl. And that's how I describe it to all the giving days that I work with is look like for many of the nonprofits that are taking part today, this is the most important day of their year. You know, so what we're going to do is we're going to pull out all the stops. We're going to use every last bit of, of breath that we have on social media. We're going to use all of our social capital. We're going to go live as much as we possibly can. And we're going to really bust out all the noise, you know, take out every instrument in the closet and, and play it as loud as we can to let, the, let everyone in the community know that uh, today is your day to give. And uh, for me, working as the Giving Day guy, it's incredibly special to go from city to city and uh, really raise a ruckus on social media um, <laughs> in each one of those communities um, on their specific day. And I appreciate you using the correct pronunciation as Louisville, not Louisville. Uh, my dad's side is from Louisville and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of distinction there <laughs> depending on where you're from. It's funny. I, but I, I live, it's a great I now, city. I live now in Greenville and I, I, I find myself calling it Greenville. That's a new to, one. <laughs> I had a chance to live up in Louisville, of course, working with Humana back in uh, 2016. It's a lovely place. Yeah. It's a lovely, yeah. Lovely city. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome city. So when you approach these quote unquote Super Bowls, but really it is for these brands. I, I love that metaphor there. What's your mindset going in? I mean, do you like, do you get full night's sleep? Do you get all charged up for it? Like how, <laughs> how, do, you, how, how do you tackle these days that are really, you know, they have, there's, there's a lot riding on them and obviously it's all upside, but they're, they're very important days. Man, it's more than a full night's sleep. Um, you know, I know we follow <laughs> each other on social media, uh, you know, uh, later this afternoon, um, I'll go down to the fitness center here um, in my apartment building and I'll work out. Uh, I'm not an athlete. You know, I'm not training for anything in particular, although I, I am running another uh, half marathon this weekend up in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Here we go. But, well, good luck but, with it. But for me, every, when, I, when I say, thank you, I, when I say I'm the giving day guy, I am working every single day of the year to work towards that next giving day that's coming up. Right now, the next giving day on my schedule is the big give in San Antonio in March. I hope to add a couple more before then in some negotiations and some phone calls. But for me, when I eat healthy today, it's because I want to be able to maximize my energy uh, on March 20th for the big give San Antonio. When I work out, when I get a good night's sleep, when I study, when I'm reading uh, you know, articles about nonprofits, I'm always looking for that next innovation that I can bring to a giving day. Conversely, yeah, like I'm going to go to sleep at 9 p.m. the night before a giving day so we can wake up and, and go full blast. And this is how I sell myself to these organizations is giving days are exhausting. You know, in many ways, they're kind of like a marathon of their own. They're, they're their own 
one day, 50 states, 100 days. You know, yeah. where oftentimes, you know, you think about it, if you start at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., you're going to be tired by 8, 9, 10. But in many ways, that's when people are giving because that's when they're spending the most time on social media, laying in bed, watching stuff on Facebook, watching stuff on their, their iPad. So for me, being the giving day guy is not just, okay, this is something that I do you know, when the giving day itself rolls around. It's something that I am working towards every single day of the year to try and be the best version of myself, to be able to step in and create the absolute best content that they can leverage on their giving day to, to succeed and, and raise that maximum amount of money. So you really, you're like the world's most underrated athlete because you really approach this like an athlete. You know, it's like when you think of professional sports, it really comes down to how much work you're willing to put in, in the off season, as far as how you get better the next time. And so for you, you know, really there, there's not really an off season. You're always kind of planning for it. And the more you plan ahead, as you said before, the better the potential outcome for your partners there. So it's, it's really neat you've taken that approach. I think there's, there's positive ramifications to having good personal health for, in everything that you do. You know, um, I get to speak a lot of different social media events throughout the year as well, and I look at it the same way, right? Social media marketing world out in San Diego, it is physically taxing. It is exhausting. And for yeah. me, I get a lot out of these events because I go in strategically. I go in knowing that I want to get the most out of it. And more importantly, I think, you know, this is what my brand represents, that if someone meets me, someone's been following me on Twitter for a year or two, whatever, and then they come to an event with a hope of taking a picture with me or shaking my hand or coming to see me speak, like, I'd better bring it because that's my brand promise. You know, that's, that's what I'm telling you on this podcast. That's what I represent every day on social media. Yeah. Is this positive energy? And in many ways... I think that's what brands hire me for, right? It's not necessarily, it's not even necessarily the knowledge or the, abil the ability to execute. It's that positive attitude that you bring and that optimism and that energy that can help bring the best out of the other people that you are uh, around. So uh, I don't know that I'd call myself the world's most underrated athlete. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's quite a, a thing there. I'm sure there's a, uh, I, I think I was actually filing for the trademark as you were speaking. I hope you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought before the season that Baker Mayfield was the world's most underrated. All right. Well, that's but, not. Um, <laughs> so I, next I segment. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, so I'm just, I'm I just messing with you. I got there somewhere, man. <laughs> hey, well, uh, well I, I could have 28,000 different responses depending on whenever <laughs> you're listening to this. So I, uh, so I'm not, just not going to touch that one. Anyway, uh, I do <laughs> in a terrible segue live streaming. So, <laughs> or the absence of segue live streaming. So it's one of the tool. Okay. So, so like Baker's arm now, yeah, well, no, it's, like it's, it's one of the tools that's very effective for you. And for when you do everything you do for nonprofits and, and yourself as well. So, out of all the different tools on social media and all the different things we have in our toolkit here online, why live streaming? Why, why are you so big on live streaming? I know you think you stumbled through that segue, but it's actually a really good segue because oh, thank you. Um, this live streaming element is really the best way to represent the positive energy, not just uh, you know, of me, right? Now, I'm not just talking about when I'm in front of the camera or I'm you know, doing a podcast or I'm on stage. 
Um, but live streaming, I've always tried to represent to all these different nonprofits, is the best way to explain to your audience who you are, right? When you turn that camera on, um, and again, we can talk about Switcher Studio, we can talk about buying the right microphones and the lights and all that different stuff. But at the end of the day, when you go live, you can't hide. You know, you're, uh, you're out there, you know, on the playing field and you are speaking directly to the people that want to, um, or that ultimately with nonprofits need to hear from you, right? So for me, mm -hmm. again, using live streaming as sort of the, uh, the primary tool with giving days as the primary tool with, you know, hosting other events and, and different things that I'm involved with, or even um, at social media conferences, to tie it back to the last answer that I just gave, it's, it's a representation of the, the energy that you bring and you know, when you go live or, you know, even when we record a podcast, it is a, a prime sort of exaltation of energy. You, you have to be there. You have to be able to be present. When we're talking about stretching that over a 24-hour period, it's really, you're really able to demonstrate and, and maximize kind of what these nonprofits are about at scale by setting out and, and using live streaming repeatedly throughout the day. Um, you know, starting, you know, let's say 6 a.m. And, and creating 15 or 20 live streaming videos throughout the day. It's, it's not an ordinary day. And that's exactly what we're trying to represent right. is that today is the day to give. We have pulled out all the stops. We've brought in this guy, this, this you know, maniac from South Carolina who's live streaming all around <laughs> our community from, from dawn till, you know, midnight because we are trying to emphasize to you the potential donor that today is the big day um, and now is your opportunity to give. And it's such a unique, like it, it's so, I'm thankful. I'm sure you're incredibly thankful that this tool has been made so easy to live stream. Like it didn't used to be that way. It didn't used to be so easy that way. But I'm curious, like from, from your perspective, because you're, you are the pro of all pros at this, what is, what would you say is your top tip for somebody that's interested in live streaming? Well, I think the top tip is get started. You know, the, the deeper I get into this career of live streaming um, everywhere and, and anywhere, the more I'm starting to try and, and create better content. But I also think that creating better content needs to come at your own pace. Too many people, way too many people, um, shy away from using this medium um, because they're afraid of not being perfect right off the bat. And that was, that was like quite literally why they brought me to Humana um, in the first place back in 2016 was um, really to get started with live streaming. And we, we helped uh, the team there bust through this uh, idea of, of perfectionism and of needing to have everything have that exact corporate feel. And so uh, for the nonprofits that I work with, for anybody who's listening to this, you know, I would say get started, right? Uh, as Brian Fanzo would say, I know you talked to Brian a, a handful of episodes ago, push the damn button, push the damn button, but also take the time to watch what you just created and ask yourself, how can I do something better the next time, right? Push the damn button is great, but what can you do to improve, to make it a better experience for the viewer who will actually want to listen in, to watch for a longer period of time, um, or ultimately to get people to go from, no, I don't want to share this video with my friends to yes, I do, right? So when, when, you, when you pick up your phone and you just broadcast live, there's 
immense benefits to that, to sharing your message, to getting your voice out there, to, to being present with your audience. But you're not going to create content right off the bat if you're just holding your phone in your hand that people are going to necessarily want to sit down and watch for a long period of time. How can we make this video steadier that people actually will be able to watch it without getting seasick? How can we improve the sound that people can listen to it? How can we maybe use a tool like Switcher Studio or BeLive or some of these other third-party tools out there to put graphics on the screen, to use multiple cameras, to create content that's now moving towards something that people will willingly want to spend their time watching and listening to. But you have to get there at your own pace. You have to start somewhere and then you're slowly going to get better. For me, I've learned to invest in some different tools. I've learned to um, use Switcher Studio pretty uh, aggressively during these giving days. You know, I've learned to make sure that the connection is strong enough so that the Wi-Fi doesn't drop. You know, all those little things add up to moving from someone who, who is willing to live stream to someone who is creating live streams that are worth uh, watching and ultimately worth paying for. Yeah, it's, I, I think that's a, a huge point. It's, I, I think a lot of people kind of do things and expect to get better at it. And obviously, the more you do something, the more likely you are to get better at it. But you definitely have to be cognizant and aware of the actual points of where you can get better and improve on it. So I'm, t I'm totally with you there. So you finally decide to start a podcast. Congrats. You've never been more excited. But wait a sec. You quickly find out this is way more of a time commitment than you initially thought. You're going to need someone that has you covered behind the scenes. That's where I come in. Email me at max at hippodirect.com and let's get wild. Let's switch gears a little bit, switch streams, if you will. And we're going to talk about inspiration and creativity. So here, think about ways you stay creative, ways you stay inspired. So to start us off here, what do you do to stay creative? I proactively consume uh, and I, I consume with intentionality. Um, you know, I think that uh, there are a lot of really spectacular creators um, out there these days on Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you, whatever platform you want to name. Um, there are so many uh, smart, uh, advanced thinkers out there. And I've tried to use social media from a personal perspective over the years to uh, literally and figuratively and digitally surround myself with people smarter than myself, people much smarter than myself, you know, to a point where you are, you're not copying what other people are doing, but you're, you're looking at what others are creating and you're trying to draw elements from what they do to improve your own style, right? If, if, you're, if you're watching something or you're listening to a podcast or you go to an event, you really need to go in there and not look at it passively like, oh, this is just something that I'm doing and then I'm going to go back to what I do ordinarily. You really want to try and um, challenge yourself to think about an aspect of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis that you can do better. And for me, um, you know, staying creative has meant um, being willing to uh, be malleable with the thought process, processes that I use to create and to to work with these, you know, say giving day partners. Well, malleable is an exceptional word. So I have to give you credit for that. <laughs> but, Thank you. Um, I was a fifth grade spelling bee champion. I love it. 
Oh, there you go. Well, c- well, congrats. A little belated congrats, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I w- <laughs> oh, wait, I, I have to ask now, is there, do you remember the word you won on? Uh, it's funny. Vincent Warlock was just tweeting about this the other day. You never remember the word that you won on. You remember the word that you lose on the next time. So I yes. I definitely too, too remember. Soon for me. <laughs> I definitely remember too soon. Like you, you have a uh, experience well, coming back to mind now. Yeah. Well, for me, it was, uh, I think it was sixth grade and I was in the top 10, but the word was breathe. No, the word was breath. See, I still miss it up. <laughs> the word, the, the word was breath and I spelled it like breathe. I put the E on the end and mm. I was so shocked when they came over and said, Oh, you're wrong. And I'm like, what? And then, so that was a lot of fun and got, had some, you know, some great natural jokes there and make sure to breathe in, breathe out when you're recovering from this. But. Yeah. I wish I could translate <laughs> mine forward. Uh, mine's a little weirder. My word was cicada and I spelled it like the artist, John cicada. So Ooh, I, 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 I would be totally lost as well. I think there's no shame there. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could say that I've listened to John cicada every night for the last 25 years now, I'm not, not <laughs> but, um, so <laughs> as much as we can talk about grammar for the rest of the time. Um, I'm curious, like the you wild also, grammar growth podcast, right? Yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that really rolls off the tongue, huh? Uh, you mentioned, well, another word that you mentioned is creator. And I really like that because there are so many amazing creators out there. So who are the creators out there that really challenge you and inspire you? And you felt like you've, you've really learned from man. The first name that comes to my mind immediately is going to be Roberto Blake, right? Roberto. Oh, yeah. Is just yeah. He's awesome. A, a stunningly brilliant, I, I call him an oracle. Um, and <laughs> what, what's, really, what's really fun about, you know, rolling through some of these names, you know, again, the, the Brian Fanzos of the world, uh, you know, Bella Vasta is another one. I get to befriend these people in real life by going to a lot of these different social media events. So uh, social media marketing world or the social shakeup, um, you know, uh, the Midwest Digital Marketing Conference and Inbound, um, all these different opportunities, you know, I get the sense you know, that too many people just listen and they're too passive about their, their engagement with these creators. Uh, for me, I could watch Roberto Blake, you know, for days and days on end on YouTube. But for me, there's nothing quite like getting a chance to um, give him a hug and sit front row at his session at Inbound or Social Media Marketing World and get a chance to pick his brain for a few minutes uh, walking down the hallway. You know, people like Sean Duris uh, and Mark Kay were some of those early stage uh, Snapchat creators uh, right. that really inspired me to, you know, create my own interview style, right? I, I talk a lot about Mark Kay uh, back in the origins of, of using Snapchat as sort of a journalism tool that he had a show back in 2014, 2015 called Talk and Snap. And he doesn't do it anymore, but it was brilliant in the way that he was able to interact with um, other creators, you know, the... Uh, uh, opera Americanos and uh, the M Placos of the world um, to, to bring yeah. those people into his own show. And I said, wow, okay, this goes back to what I was just talking about a minute ago. I, I saw that Mark was doing something awesome. And instead of trying to copy Mark, I took the idea, twisted it forward into my own concept and said, okay, I'm going to go do Snapchat interviews in real life with nonprofits in all 50 states. So I wasn't doing talk and snap, but I was trying to create episodic Snapchat content that involved interviewing people on Snapchat. And I think in many ways, it it kind of helped open that door for others to kind of use Snapchat and really this, um, 
incremental storytelling medium that's that's been birthed, you know, through Instagram stories and all these other stories mediums now. Um, it was kind of fun being at the the cutting edge of that back in uh, in 2015. And I think what you touched on is so key as it's not just, you know, paying attention to what other people are doing. It's what twist can you do to, to what they're already doing to really make it your own and, and make it ownable. And so it's getting ideas from other people. Um, it's not just doing what they do. It's seeing what you can apply to your business and your brand and making that your own. So you've clearly, you know, more than excelled at that. What about on the other side of things? So kind of outside of work and when you're not, you know, when you're, when you're not doing, you know, training for a marathon or at the gym, what other things do you like to do besides kind of the, what other hobbies do you like besides sort of the, the physical things there? I love exploring the city of Greenville, South Carolina. Um, you know, I had a chance you mean to Greenville? travel. <laughs> Greenville, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I had the chance to explore, you know, again, all 50 states and then the, the 48 states that are, as a predecessor uh, or as the precedent to that trip. Uh, and so for me, you know, where I live now is very much with intentionality. I'm, I'm recording this podcast and looking out over Academy Street in downtown Greenville um, and just looking forward to getting back out there and exploring some of the, the restaurants, some of the events scene. Um, I went last night to the Peace Center and I saw uh, a, a pretty magnificent like show of like it was like a circus type show last night. Mm. I, I, I walked down there at 630 and the show started at seven. It was great. <laughs> like it was. You know, and these are these are the sort of opportunities that are are surrounding me physically here. Um, in addition to you know Asheville, Charlotte, Atlanta. Um, so I love um, when I'm not you know again on a treadmill or you know lifting weights somewhere. To me, it's about either exploring the local community, getting out and hiking, or playing golf, or you know just living the experiences here in Greenville, or you know jumping in the car and you know like I said this weekend I'm driving up to. Uh, up near Knoxville and, and running the Pigeon Forge Half Marathon in Tennessee. So for me, it's always about trying to stay active. Um, I'm, I'm never going to be that kind of guy that just loves to, you know, kind of curl up and watch Netflix for days on end. Um, <laughs> you know, it, to me, life is precious, you know, and uh, I, I really love getting out and um, exploring uh, again, attending some of these other social media conferences and events and, and um, socializing and, and getting out and, and building relationships with people that will allow me to do a better job with what I do as the Giving Day guy, as an event host. I like reading and writing. And Admittedly, I watch a little bit of uh, Twitch as well. I've been watching some, uh, mm. I, watch, I watch Mario Maker 2 uh, on Twitch quite a bit with uh, Ryu Carr and um, DGR and some of these, some of these really brilliant creators that are, you know, in, in some of these, uh, alternate universes here from the, you know, the social media yeah. marketing type spaces. Literally. Yeah. Well, that, that stuff's fascinating that, you know, that could be a whole, whole other tangent, but I'm curious with, just cause I'm not too familiar with Greenville. What, uh, and I'm, I know I'm not saying that exactly right, but <laughs> green, <laughs> I'll say, I'll say it in my nerdy way, Greenville. Uh, how, what was it about that city that, drove you there in the first place. I mean, I, that, that got you to stay there and actually eventually move there. I mean, ultimately it's always about the people, you know, it's, it's always about the interactions that you have. And I was very, very blessed when I first came here in 2014, I went to a place called Bacon Brothers Public House and I had a great experience. My bartender, his name is Jason. I still keep up with Jason sometimes here in Greenville. Oh, wow. um, you know, so, you know, just even stopping at the mall, stopping at the gas station, wherever you might go, 
you know, when you go visit somewhere, you can learn a lot about the, the community based on the people that you interact with. And so the interactions that I had in Greenville my first time here, and then when I came back to visit, I was, I was actually here during fall for Greenville, which is their big, um, I mean, there's events here almost every weekend, you know, down along Main Street, but Fall for Greenville is the biggest event of the year here in the city. Um, it's a three-day festival um, where they shut down Main Street all the way up and down and fill it with uh, vendors and, um, you know, there's uh, concert stages and uh, there's beer tents and everything you could possibly imagine in a, a, a Southeastern festival was there. But ultimately, I, I knew, I think when I, when I went on these trips in the first place, I knew I, I had my eye on the southeastern region in general anyway. You know, that to me, uh, I'll always be a New Yorker at heart. Long Island is always going to be home for me. Um, but for me, I just, I love the pace of life here in South Carolina. I love that there's not massive traffic. I love that, that life doesn't seem to move with this shocking sense of urgency as it does up in, you know, up on Long Island, up in the city. Mm -hmm. So it's the pace, it's the people. Um, in many ways, it's the food. And then in many ways, it's just, it's the downtown atmosphere that if you've ever stepped foot in Greenville, South Carolina, you know that, you know, you've got Falls Park with uh, the only massive sort of pedestrian suspension bridge in America that goes across a, a giant waterfall that's right in the middle of downtown. Like this city has been uh, the it's been like a multi-decade project to build this community into a place where people like me um, are encouraged to move. And now here I am, right? So if you're, if you're Mayor Knox White and you're listening to this podcast, like you have succeeded in your generational plan to bring younger people to come move to Greenville, South Carolina, because uh, they have done a spectacular job in urban planning around the downtown area of, of this community. It's, it's really, it's something to see. It's, it's, it's worth going out of your way um, to, to take a vacation down here. It's incredible. <laughs> and Mayor White, if you're still listening, you need to pay Chris a lot more because he is completely <laughs> selling the city. I'm, I'm ready to check, check out the city right now. So <laughs> oh, every, no, it's, but, it sounds like a wonderful place to be. And Max, you follow me on Twitter and you know these different yeah. social media channels. Like I talk about Greenville all the time. I can't yeah. get enough of this. And, and for me, again, as a, as a single guy, this, this city and my work are my loves. You know what I mean? I love <laughs> yeah. life in the city and I love working with giving days around the United States. That, that's, this is what I've got, <laughs> you know? So um, yeah. for me, it's, it's a true, genuine appreciation for the culture that has uh, really um, blossomed here in Greenville over the last, uh, you know, 25, 30 years. You can feel your passion there. Let's get to a fan favorite segment here called the Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. The Wild Business Shoutout of the Week! <laughs> so Wild Business Shoutout of the Week, this is where we talk about a recent brand or campaign that caught our attention. And earlier we were chatting and you mentioned something about, I'll just say Mickey Mouse to give a little clue, but I'll let you go into it. You want you mind walking us through it? I think it's wild to see, and I spend a lot of time on Twitter. It's really interesting for me to see this continued growth of uh, Disney Plus. You know, and mm. we've lived on the forefront, on the cutting edge of this uh, cord cutting atmosphere, you know, where, you know, I remember growing up. How old are you, Max? 
I am at the time of this recording, I am 27, like 27, 27 and a half. So this might be a little before your time, but I don't know if you ever worked a television where you had to physically get up off the couch and go turn the dial and, uh, you know, flip past <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with them. I've heard of flip phones, flip phones too. No, I'm just kidding. You, you've heard of flip phones? Yeah. Did you ever dial into like American, uh, America online, you know, where it's yes. like, mom, get off the phone. Yes. You know I mean? Oh my God. Especially at my, uh, yeah, at my grandma's house, we it was kind of the that was a shocker. Once once we had switched and then went back to uh, dial up, and then we'd go to visit my grandparents' house, and, and actually right across from Louisville, it was like just oh my god, it felt like waiting forever to get I, on there. See, you got the harmonica, you got to get like the dial up sound and edit that. <laughs> oh, no, that I, I don't want people to like shiver. <laughs> <laughs> but but for for me again, seeing these. Uh, these announcements and seeing these campaigns about, you know, Star Wars and, and you know, yesterday the, the, the commercial that I saw was the Simpsons now being part of Disney and having that uh, alleged self-awareness with Bart Simpson kind of, I don't know if you've seen this video where he's like, uh, they're taking a group picture in front of the Disney sign and, and Bart Simpson, you know, true to his character kind of moons the camera. And, you know, <laughs> to me, again, we, we've talked for a decade about this seismic shift towards uh, cord cutting and streaming services. And I mean, there is, there is absolutely no turning back now, you know, seeing how um, so many of these uh, content services are getting swallowed up by some of the bigger companies out there, obviously Disney and, you know, Netflix and uh, Google and, you know, uh, all these different channels are investing majorly in content. To me, that's what's been most fascinating on my mind lately is just how much more content we're creating these days and this uh, gradual shift towards these mega companies investing dollars in you know, episodic content and even investing in old content, right? These, these are the big battles these days is... Yeah. Um, you know, where, where, where am I going to be able to watch friends and mad about you? And, you know, Seinfeld, you know, Seinfeld is going to be on Netflix in 2021. Like that show ended like what, 20 years ago. Like, yeah. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was way before Max's time, you know, but this, no, this, I, I actually, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Gotta say this, this balance of creating new content versus investing in old stuff. And, uh, this, this, uh, conglomeration uh you know especially with disney of just owning and and uh you know really kind of melting together everything into one big pot has been fascinating to me over the last you know couple of weeks and couple of months yeah it's it's crazy how much it changes and especially in an industry like the media industry that's for so long like traditional tv was everything and now it's just it's it's changed so much. So that that much is fascinating. What do you think that Disney Plus needs to do to to stand to well to, one to be successful, but to stand out and actually earn people's ten, attention away from Netflix and any other you know providers that uh, are out there? I've long since thought that um, a real key to the this transition is not necessarily going to be in the hands of these uh, content farmers. It it's going to be more about the technology that allows you to tune into these things. So, you know, my, uh, my dad is a little more technologically advanced than my mom, but 
you know, for me, I, I almost look at it like the mom test, right? Like if, if my mom is willing to make that sort of shift from spending $90 a month, you know, on cable TV to finally listening to her son and spending $20 a month on something like Disney plus or, <laughs> or Hulu. Hint, hint, mom. <laughs> yeah. It, so, so ultimately I, to answer your question, what do the televisions look like? What do the remote controls look like? How is the voice control working? Like, is it easy enough for not the Chris Strubs and the Maxes of the world? Cause we get it right. It, I mean, we know exactly, you know, if we were going to sign up for the streaming service, I, I could do it while we're here on this podcast. Right. But, but it's that, it's still that, that, that generation, I think that's above us that is uh, still emotionally and, um, you know, financially locked into, you know, these um, traditional subscription models. What will it take for them to ditch, to, to cut the cord? I think it's a, it's a progression of the hardware side of things that makes it just as easy, if not easier, for people to consume this maybe less expensive for now content that, that would encourage that behavioral change to ditch the cable box and you know, plug in the, uh, the, the, the Chromecast or the Apple TV. It doesn't matter how good your con- you could have you know every greatest show of all time. You could have the best content there ever was, but if people have a if, if there's friction there, if people have a hard time getting to it, or it's not easily accessible or not intuitive how to even sign up or watch anything, then then nobody's going to watch it. So that's that's super true there. Yeah. So let's go to a segment called the unusual. So think about pet peeves quirks and weird talents. So Chris, what is your biggest pet peeve? People that don't wash their hands. What? Like wash your hands, man. Like <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if this is supposed to be like a social media specific pet peeve. No, 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 no. That, I, that, that's perfect. I'll go I, wash my hands right now, actually. Like I, I, God, I get furious, you know, especially at airports, you know, places like that or yeah. restaurants like these spaces, this is not your home. You know what I mean? What you do in your, in your home, I don't really care. You know what I mean? If, if you don't feel like keeping soap in the bathroom, whatever. But when you're in a shared space with me and, you know, we're, we're both going to go, you know, use the same, you know, little table to sit at the airport gate or whatever it might be. I, I am so close to just reaching this point where I want to like, just yell at people. I, I, I don't <laughs> go for it. I, I, I support this. Wash your hands. <laughs> and, and then we wonder why people get sick. And you know, the answer is right there in front of you. You know what I mean? I'm going to knock on wood right now and say like, I haven't been sick in five plus years now. And I wash my wow. hands like crazy. I keep Purell in my car. Every time I touch any kind of surface, like I'm surprised I've gone through this whole podcast without, you know, grabbing some hand sanitizer. You know, so <laughs> yeah, I thought we might hear it in the background. For me, you know, germs, germs drive me nuts, you know, and when people are, are so closed off from, uh, the rest of the world that they think they don't need to, to just wash your hands after you use the bathroom, that is easily my, my number one biggest pet peeve. It's funny because it's something that we all learn at such a young age and it's amazing. I, I'm with you. I'm still, I'm blown away when I'm at like the airport or something or, or, uh, like a football game and I see people walk out with that. Like, I'm like, how do you, how do you live with yourself? But I guess, you know, I don't understand people who don't, uh, use dental floss either. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I, I, I can't, 
I can't square that when I go to the dentist and they're like, Oh, Chris, you're doing a good job with like, how, how can you, when, when they use the floss, <laughs> how do you even go out in public? <laughs> like when they, when the, when the, when the, when they use the floss on you at the dentist's office and they're like pulling stuff out of your teeth and you realize that you could do that yourself every day and you could pull that much stuff out of your teeth every single day and you choose not to do it. I, I'm sorry. Like I, I, I could, I could go on and on and on. This is not a Seinfeld I, episode though. <laughs> now uh, maybe we'll just license their music for the, the baseline there. But uh, I have to shout out my college roommate, Tyreek, because he said the exact same thing. Like multiple times he went on a rant. Like, I just don't get it how you can go to the dentist and you can see what happens when you floss and just act like you can go about the rest of your life and not floss and not worry about it. Oh yeah. So yeah. That, I'll, I'll get another round of floss in six months. Like, come on, man. Like what, yeah. what universe are we living in these gotcha. days? Gotcha. So, so in addition to being, I, I don't know if you call yourself a germaphobe, but let's just say you're not, you're not friendly with germs. So in addition to sort of that aspect of your personality, that characteristic, what would you say is another big quirk that you have? Like maybe something that your family or friends, uh, or your bartender buddy calls you out on that's a little bit quirky about your personality, but it, it's who you are. I wish I could phone a friend and have them uh, give me this answer. Um, <laughs> you know, I, um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely a, a sleepaholic. I, lo- I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but I, I love sleep more than anyone I know. <laughs> I think it's okay. Um, yeah. My. Uh, my friends that I, I connect with at these social media conferences often uh, give me some crap because I'll be one of the first ones to, to turn in. And I'm like, I don't, I don't drink coffee. I don't drink energy drinks. You know, I, I don't use artificial things in my body to keep my energy level up. So, you know, for me, I think my biggest quirk is, is insisting on sleep more and more as I get older. I think in many ways that's helped keep me young. Obviously, we could talk for hours about the restorative benefits of sleep, but um, yeah, I'm a sleep junkie. I cannot get enough. If I don't get six hours, you know, at least six hours, hopefully eight hours, then just stay out of my way. I'm going to be in a bad mood. I'm not going to be productive. So for me, sleep is a is a non negotiable. Yeah. Okay. Well, I won't negotiate it with you. It's good stuff. So it's super important. I'm actually with you. I'm on the same page with you on the coffee standpoint. So, and it's, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you're with big coffee drinkers, which I feel like is most people, and then you're not drinking coffee, they kind of look at you like you have three heads and (laughs) like, it's a lot. It's uh, it's, yeah, it's very unique there. So we got, we got to stick together. (laughs) Especially in the social media industry, you know, coffee seems to be like a, a part of what everybody does. And I'm pretty glad that that's, you know, and it's nice to know that there's somebody else out there in that same boat. Like, Hey, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, right back at you. <laughs> I, I never touch this. I, I'll drink one or two cups of coffee a year. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, that's even more than me. How about weird talents? What's something that you're really, really good at, but it really, it, it doesn't have an impact on your business or your brand. Like it really, it's, it's a random thing. Like maybe it's a memory trick. Maybe it's, you know, something like a, like a body trick. I, that sounds kind of funny, but uh, <laughs> what's something yeah, like you in that category? You see me with some ping pong balls, Max. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, boy, I don't know. I mean, I um, I think I'm getting better at cooking. Um, you know, oh, nice. I, I I really my my um, most people probably don't know. My dad is a retired chef. Uh, my mom is in a very very long term relationship with another. Uh, chef, an executive chef. Oh, wow. So, uh, it kind of runs in my family where I really take uh, pleasure in 
cooking. I've, I've been on sort of a taco binge lately. Um, I'm eyeing my corn tacos uh, from across the room right now, as well as my uh, bottle of hand <laughs> sanitizer. Um, you know, these uh, tacos await me here for lunch uh, soon. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely a passion of mine that, that doesn't have an impact on my business. You know, I, I've tried to tie it in and try to eat healthy. I do a lot of meal prep. Um, you know, chop a lot of vegetables and, you know, there's always onions and spinach. And uh, I famously have had a Nutribullet for a few years. I used to kind of make that a point of focus on my uh, Instagram story and my Snapchat story every day. So I'm kind of a, a, a foodie, kind of a, a closet foodie. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't talk I, about it so. all the time, but you know, it is an important element of, of who I am is, is what I eat. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty intentional about it. Well, there's something good about sleep. There's something good about food. So hard, hard to argue with that. And I think you'll get to your tacos and hand sanitizer soon enough. But first, I do want to wrap up with some rapid fire Q&A if you're ready for it. Let's do it. All right. Let's get wild. I know you're a beer fan. What is your favorite type of beer? Oh, gosh. Type of beer would be uh, certainly an IPA. Had a had a few of them last night. Oh, well, congrats. Uh, what about favorite, <laughs> favorite brand or, or it could be a favorite brewery? Uh, boy, the best uh, beer I had would be Hetty Topper. It's up uh, in uh, Burlington. Oh, what is the brewery? It's the Alchemist. Alchemist. Oh, brewery. yes. I've heard so much about them. Yes. Have you had Hetty Topper? I have not. It is so good. So that is that is still the first uh, five star beer that comes to my mind. Uh, your listeners can find me on Sweet. Untapped if you want to see the other five star beers. Perfect. Yeah, Untapped. It's it's awesome. How about if you could live stream along with anyone, like anyone in the entire world? Who would it be? Probably Tiger Woods. Um, I'm a big <laughs> okay. Tiger Woods fan. I mean, I've heard again, of him. There there are two ways to go. There are two ways to go with this question. Uh, the bachelor in me wants to say, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> go that direction. Um, <laughs> I think she's taken now though. Yeah, she is. Unfortunately. Um, at so the I, time of this recording. So I would go, uh, I would go Tiger Woods. There you go. Not, not, not bad. He's had a, um, quite the interesting life. I'll put it that way. Um, how about if you could live stream in a fictional place, what fictional place would you choose? Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. Geez. A fictional place. Uh, boy, I'd go out on the, yeah, uh, uh, I'm going to put in the dial up tone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I'd probably want to go into like the star Wars universe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty you cool. Know? Go Man, I'm not sure how like, the connection would be, but. <laughs> you think the Wi-Fi is bad in uh, in in Cleveland? I mean, <laughs> who, who who no no Cleveland has fantastic Wi-Fi. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it'd be it'd be a lot of fun to 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 zap into the Star Wars universe and yeah. uh, do a bit of live streaming out there with uh, you know Princess Leia. Perfect. All right. Well, we will see you on Tatooine. Thank you so much, Chris. This has been an incredible interview. Thank you so much for sharing everything you've been up to and your thoughts. I mean, you're just such a, an empowering and inspiring person. I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to, share your, to share your message, share your story. Man, this has been a blast. Um, thanks to everybody who's listened all the way through. And um, appreciate you, man. Maybe, we'll, uh, maybe the Cowboys will see you in the Super Bowl.
Yeah, Browns Cowboys <laughs> coming up soon. That's going to be a nightmare for my dad. Uh, how about <laughs> before you sign off here? Where's the best place for people to connect with you and, and any uh, any sort of CTA you want? Yeah, best place to connect with me is in real life at an event. Come out to Social Media Marketing Damn. World or uh, you know Midwest Digital Marketing Conference. I love meeting people in real life. But if you're more of a digital first person, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram at Chris Strub, or my website is teamstrub.com. And you are a fantastic follow. And last thing here, final thoughts, stage is yours. It can be anything you want. Send us off here. It could be a quote. It could be a line. Uh, you could just, you know, apply some hand sanitizer, whatever you want. I'd say do or do not. There is no try. Uh, you know, get out, press the damn button, um, set a big goal, stop waiting, start executing, uh, learn as you go. And, uh, let me know how it goes. I'm there. I'm here to root you, uh, root along with you. Wise you are. <laughs> That's my Vessiota impression. There you go. <laughs> All right there. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure I'll get sued by them any minute now. Thanks so much, Chris. <laughs> you got it, Max. Thanks for your time, buddy. Now, you know, I was the original voice of Yoda. And you also know Chris is one hell of a person. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, wild listeners, for tuning in to another episode. If you enjoyed this story and want to hear more wild stories, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite app and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also check out our marketing, nonprofit marketing, and business growth resources at hippodirect.com blog and hippodirect.com newsletter. That newsletter is the Hippo Digest, and it's your place for wild marketing ideas every single week. And of course, if you like hippos or corny social media posts, Come say hey on your favorite social media app at the handles HippoDirect and Max Brandstetter. Until next time, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos! Bongos!